Yo, y'all know what time it is. NCOPD Live, Wednesday night, prime time. We in the building. TPSGL is ready to go. I want all the smoke. Let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of NTOPD Live, hosted by yours truly, the one and only Staff Sergeant Hicks, hashtag the professional SGL, coming at you live from Beaumont, Texas. Listen, we got the one major announcement that we are announcing on 17 September. Write this down. Make sure you mark your calendars. 17 December, Fort Hood, Texas, Bingo Hall off of Clear Creek at the Clear Creek Gate. Third CR will be hosting their third their quarterly annual Sisters in Arms Forum. This will be hosted and facilitated by the one and only Song First Class Latoya Green from Fort Hood, Texas. On the panel that evening will be the one and only Song First Class Janina Simmons. We'll be in the building from Fort Bliss, Texas. What's going on, Griff? And then also in the building that evening will be the one and only song first class, Aston P. Muse, will be in the building. Now, listen, I know there's a lot of people. If you are not at Fort Hood, don't worry, because guess what? Yours truly, the professional SGL, along with the NTO PD Live team, we will be on ground in Fort Hood, and we're going to stream this event to you live. And not only will the TPSGL be in the building, but also from NCOPD Live. That's right, y'all. The host of Let's Talk About It, the one and only Oz will be on ground in the building as well. We're going to be taking selfies. We got some giveaways we're going to give out. We're going to be doing interviews, talking to the soldiers before and after the uh, after the event. So you got to go onto the page, find that flyer, make sure you scan the QR code. Tickets are going fast, okay? It's limited seating and COVID mitigations will take place inside of the facility. So make sure you go on there and scan the QR code, register for your ticket. Tickets are free, but once tickets are shut off, hey, that's all we're going to be able to let in the building. But we're looking forward to this. I'm super excited. Also, next week, make sure you join me for a special exclusive interview with the one and only the former 10th SMA of the Army, SMA McKinney. Gene McKinney will be on next week. Looking for a great uh, dialogue with this individual. I had my in interview with him last week, and I cannot wait to have him on the show. So make sure you tune in next week. Okay, so enough of the admin announcements. So uh, 
somebody that works for the team told me about about the gentleman that we're about to get ready to uh, bring out. So I'm going to tell you, hey, I am a recipient of AER. At a young time when I was a young soldier, hey, you know, I had to go and check on AER. But guess what? There's some things even now that the professional SGL, yes, I do not know about AER. So when, when she brought this individual to my mind, I was like, hmm, that would be a good person to have on the show. So tonight we have... The subject matter expert, I'm pretty sure he's going to say he's not because I know he got a phenomenal team that work with him. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to introduce you all the one and only the director of the Army Emergency Relief. Uh, I don't know if it's a company incorporated, but the one and only Lieutenant Lieutenant General Retired Mason. Sir, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, Sergeant Hicks. What, what a great intro, man. I feel like I'm either on Monday Night Football or ready to rumble, or you know, hey. cage fighting, or something. You got a lot of energy you know, there. Brother. Awesome. This is Wednesday, this is Wednesday night primetime. It is people that it watch this faithfully on Wednesday nights, which is, I guess, is why we're still the number one ranked professional development platform that's running. So, no hey. But I tell you what, sir. So before we even let you get to do the introduction, and we start talking to the, uh, talk about the talking points. We have something here. Uh, one of the icebreakers called the five second rule. Now I heard I explain to you the rules. You heard about it. Good. I heard about it. So no one in the history of NCOPD Live has ever, ever declined to play this game. <laughs> now, like sir, you have the option to make history tonight and decline to play. So before I explain the rules, what would you like to do? Oh, I, I gotta play. I mean, you know. I always okay. listen. To my, I always listen to my NCOs, and my NCO would not guide me in the wrong direction. So I'm, I'm in your good hands, there, Sergeant. You know what? I'm glad you said that, sir. So here are the rules. So I tell you what. I am going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to name me uh, three of something, and you have five seconds to name those items. Now, as you can see, the clock will start once I ask the question. Do you have any questions? Uh, no, but I can already say the best legal team I've ever heard of is Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we got my battle buddy said, stump him, stump him. So this should be, this should be fairly, this should be fairly, no, sir, this should be fairly easy. So, uh, my okay. question to you is name three army installations on the East coast. Go. Fort Stewart. Fort Bragg, Fort uh, Meyer. Six seconds. Six seconds. When you hesitated, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'm sure I've been by many people. Some good. Hey, sir, so you know when you you know AER is watching this, so you know you go in the office tomorrow. They're gonna be like, sir, you should have had this. Yeah, well, they didn't train me. It's not my fault. <laughs> you know what? For those individuals that work at the Army Installation, I mean, at, at the Army Emergency Relief, I need y'all to make sure that when the director is coming on to the show, you got to make sure y'all brief him up on these things, okay? East Coast, I'm sure you guys, you guys are on the East Coast, right? We are. We're in the D.C. area. We're in Arlington, Virginia. I'm coming to you live from my apartment across the street from AER. To my left, to your right, thus what? You're not an old enough soldier to know that. It's called thus creating the mirror effect. That's how we used to do PT back in the day. Yeah, back in the, you got brown, a mirror. Exactly. the Brown Army. 
Yes. I'll go to my right, you go to your left, thus creating the mirror effect. You remember that there was some people that still would go to the other, that go to the wrong that's direction, right. like, no, my right, right, your left. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Good to have you, sir. So first and foremost, that's sir, let me, let, me walk, let me welcome you to the show on behalf of my advisors, uh, my team. Uh, thank you for taking the opportunity to come on. I, I, I am grateful to have you on. I believe that we're going to have some great discussion tonight. I'm looking for a lot of things to go out there for our leaders to be able to take back to their formations and their ranks and give this information to their soldiers. So without further ado, sir, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, sir. The mic is yours. Sure. Well, thanks, Sergeant Hicks, and to you and your team for what the work you're doing to inform soldiers about what's going on in our Army, what's going on around our world. Uh, communication is so important. And I will tell you, you know, you and I talked earlier, but the biggest challenge we've got in AER is making sure that every soldier and, and their family members, if they're married and got kids, are aware of the programs and benefits of AER. That's the one thing that keeps me up in this at night in this job is that there's some soldier out there, some Army family's hurting and doesn't know about AER. So let me just start off by thanking you for giving us the opportunity, the AER team, to talk about what we do and the programs and benefits. I mean, this is a this is all our our motto is soldiers helping soldiers. So that's what we're about. This is what this is. I tell people that the being the director of AER is the second best job I had in my I've ever had in my life. Wow. Okay, what's the best job? What right. I was what was the best. Battalion commander in the 82nd. Pretty tough to beat that, but this is right there. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been at AER a little over five years. Um, I did 35 years in the Army. I grew up in an Army family. My dad started off as a private in World War II, carried a water-cooled machine gun all over Europe, met my mom. She was a German refugee. They got married and you know had a bunch of kids, and I was one of those kids. And so we moved all over the world. As, as an Army brat, I moved like 15 times. My wife and I have moved uh, about 26 times in those 35 years, not too dissimilar from most people's career. I've uh, been all over, you know, the Army, obviously, and, and you know, just a magnificent um, opportunity and came into the Army through ROTC, James Madison University, um, got me started, and, and I owe a lot to that university and the people that I went to school with there. That's where I met my wife, by the way. So um, I retired in 2014, and I went out and did some other things, and then this opportunity came up, and my predecessor was Lieutenant General Bob Foley. And I'd known Bob Foley, incredible leader, a Medal of Honor recipient, just, you know, just a super person and a great man and a great gentleman. Called me up and asked me if I was interested in, in throwing my name in the hat to be the director of AER. And I said, you know, I miss the Army. I miss being around soldiers. I, I was okay with what I was doing, but it really wasn't that passionate. And so I, you know, was fortunate enough to get selected. And I feel very honored and privileged to have the opportunity to, to serve our Army be around great soldiers that are, you know, that raise their right hand and volunteer to, uh, to be something, serve something bigger than themselves. So uh, one other thing, you know, you talked about the AER team. So there are six sergeant majors in AER, retired sergeant majors that, that handle cases and work with soldiers every day. And the joke I always tell is that when I was a commander, you know, through my career, I always had one sergeant major. Now it takes six sergeant majors to try to keep me Way. But I will tell you that one of the best advice my dad ever gave me, in fact, he made it up to E6 in World War II, got a battlefield commission. 
And he told me when I was a young man, kind of, you know, thinking about going in the army, he said, look, listen to your non-commissioned officers. They're going to guide you. They're going to train you. They're more experienced than you are. They've been down this road. You know, you're going to be coming as a young lieutenant. And I got to tell you, believe it or not, my first platoon sergeant in the army was Sergeant First Class Hicks, William Hicks, Bill Hicks. I don't know, hey. if you know him, but anyway, great guy. Um, and then my last sergeant major, well, my last sergeant major in command, command sergeant major, was uh, George Duncan, lives at Fort Hood. Mm -hmm. I know you're going down there. He's retired. Great. Him and his wife, Jackie, just great people. We, we stayed close. And, and that, that event you're going to have down there at 3rd ACR, Brave Rifles, uh, it sounds like it's going to be awesome. And so yeah. uh, I wish you all the buck. So that's how I got here. That's, what, that's why I'm here. So communication is what this is all about. So, you know, uh, this, this platoon sergeant, uh, Sergeant First Class Hicks, squared you away. He got you ready, sir. And he was a part of you getting to three-star. Yeah, I know every every soldier and, and uh, non-commissioned officer I served with a long way and, and great officers um, took care of me, molded me, you know, kicked me in the butt when I needed to be, patted me on the back, picked me up, uh, mentored me. And I hope I did the same thing, you know, for the, the soldiers that came behind me. In fact, um, interesting enough, my aide, uh, when I was in, in Philadelphia in Defense Supply Center DLA, just not too long ago, pinned on one star, and I'm pretty sure he's going to He's going to get multiple stars. Uh, Gavin Lawrence is his name. Great guy. Played football at West Point. Just great kid. So, you know, when you can pass that thing on, I had a boss one time by the name of Bob Dale, Lieutenant General, retired. He said, look, one of the most important things you do as a soldier is you build the bench that comes behind you. That's the yeah. legacy you leave. You know, train those soldiers, those non-commissioned officers, those officers that will come behind you. That's, that's your, that's a big part of your responsibility, build that bench. And that's the legacy you leave behind. So I, you know, in, in whatever way I could, I, I think hopefully I've left a decent legacy uh, among the, the great soldiers I served with. And I, I was certainly mentored by some incredible people. That's great. I'm just glad one of them last name was Hicks. <laughs> that's right. <Yeah. laughs> so I'll tell you something I, I, I have to mention is Johnny Wilson. So I worked for General Wilson. Uh, you probably know him. He started off as a private in the Army. Started off as a private in the Army. Retired as a four-star. African-American. Just an amazing... He lives in the D.C. area. Uh, just an amazing person. Uh, I learned so much about him from him. He was just incredible. And I stay in touch with him today. So anyway, another amazing... So we have you, we have you here tonight, sir. And I'm sure myself and the... Uh, the viewers that are watching, sir. So tell us, start us off by telling us about AER. Where uh, where does it come from? Is it nonprofit? Just give us the background of AER. Sure. Well, first off, AER is part of the Army. Even though we're a .org organization, uh, our board of managers has active duty members, the chief, the sergeant major, uh, I'm sorry, the vice chief, the sergeant major, the army, the force comm sergeant majors, other sergeant majors, other active duty commanders and leaders, staff officers are on our board. They're the ones that give us our guidance. They're the ones that approve, you know, the programs we do. They approve our budget. We also have an army regulation which guides us. Our most important partner is Installation Management Command. I'll talk a little bit more about that. General Gabberman and his team. We couldn't do this without them. The headquarters is located in Arlington, Virginia. There's about 30 of us at AER headquarters. 
Mm-hmm. And we're just kind of synchronizing the over 70 offices that are located around the globe. Almost every Army installation in the world has an AER office located inside of Army Community Service. And those folks that work there are called AEROs, Army Emergency Relief Officers. <clears throat> they're not commissioned or non-commissioned officers. They're employees of MCOM, so they're GS employees, great Americans. There's about 220 of them give or take on the day. And they're the ones that every day are out there talking to soldiers and families in these offices. So AER got started in 1942, was stood up. And I'm going to give you a quiz, Sergeant Hicks. Since okay. you gave a quiz, I got one for you. In 1942, the chief of staff of the Army at the time decided we needed an organization that could help soldiers and their families when they hit a rough spot. There were rough times in 42. There's certainly rough times in 2021. Who was the chief of staff of the army in 1942? I you wasn't know his born. name, huh? I, was, I wasn't born. I well, it don't matter. You were in history class. So, so he, so he was a he was a four star, right? Yes. Now, you ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? I have seen the scene in Saving Private. You the movie? You've I haven't seen, seen all of it. You haven't seen all. When the beginning. They go into this four-star general's office with the letters of the three, actually, yeah, the three Ryan brothers that were killed. And there's one Ryan brother left, jumped in with the 101st. That's the general they're talking to is the general I'm talking about. Okay, I, I won't hold, I won't stump you anymore. George C. Marshall. You general Marshall. George, yes. general, the Marshall plan at the end of World War II. This guy was a renaissance man. You know, he did everything, did everything. Amazing person. Anyway, the mission statement he gave us was to help relieve financial distress on the force. That was true in 1942. It's absolutely true today. Look, a couple things right up front. We can talk about some other things. Asking for help is a sign of strength. And I want to emphasize that to soldiers. You know, we all have tough spots in our life. Life throws us some curves, you know, and there's the unexpected and, you know, things just occur. The other piece of point I make is I know it's emergency in our name, Army Emergency Relief. But look, it doesn't have to be that the house is burning down for you to come to AER. You know, you could have a car breaks down. You could hit a rough spot financially. Somebody, you know, could be ill in your family and you got to travel somewhere. Um, you know, you could have your water heater bust and you don't have the money right now to pay that. You could be PCS into a new location and all your pay hasn't kicked in yet and you need some help. So my point about that is one person's emergency might just be another person's kind of day that every average day. So asking for helps is a strength. No matter what's going on in your life, if you've got a financial challenge, come to AER. of the soldiers that come to AER walk out of AER with some level of assistance. May not be exactly what they wanted, but maybe it's what they need. You know, it's a little bit like the Rolling Stones songs, right? You don't always get what you want, but sometimes you get what you need. And there is a difference between needs and wants. You know, I need a car, me, but I sure as hell would love to have a brand new Porsche. But I really don't need that, but I want it, right? So mm-hmm. it's the difference between needs and wants. So that's that's kind of how we got here. 
We've done about $2 billion in assistance to about 4 million soldiers since 1942. A billion of that since 9-11. And you think, well, okay, what, what causes that in our first kind of, you know, 60 years or so in the last 20 years to double that? Part of it was an army at combat for 20 years. A lot of stress, mm -hmm. a lot of things going on, a lot of mobilizations. We had the economic crash of 08. The other piece is this is not my father's AER. This is a new AER. We've expanded categories. We've expanded different kinds of programs. We've expanded the funds we've got all donated by, you know, we, we were hundred percent off donations, no federal money at all. It all comes from active duty soldiers, retired soldiers, and American citizens and corporations. That's where the funds come from that we provide to soldiers. Okay. So I know, uh, so this is going to tie like right into our next one. Cause I want to talk about some of the initiatives uh, that that you all have coming up with that that are out there right now. And uh, Sergeant Shepard said, what does AER assist soldiers with? Uh, what services do they offer and provide? And does this program offer only financial support? So this is going to tie in, Ms. Shepard, along with what we're actually getting ready to talk about. So what are some of the upcoming initiatives uh, that you all have out there or that some initiative that may be already uh, that's already there that we don't know about? Yeah, no, great, great lead in. So first off, yes, AER is about either a loan or a grant. And let me also, I'll talk about scholarships, but let me just hit a point right now. I know you said early, I think you said in your lead in that there's things about AER you didn't know. Now, again, grew up in an army family. I was in the army for 35 years, sent two kids off to college. I did not know that Army Emergency Relief does educational scholarships for spouses and children. We do about 10 to $12 million a year in educational grants for children and spouses. I didn't know that. And, and so that, I'll talk more about that later on, but that's just an indication of why we've got to be out there talking to people. So there's about 30 plus categories of different kinds of assistance that we do in AER. <clears throat> the other point, and I kind of made it earlier, but I'll make it again. If, if you go to our website, www.armyemergencyrelief.org. Remember, sure, you got to go dot org, or you just type in Army Emergency Relief and it'll show up. There's there's charts on there that show there's lists of categories. Even if what you're dealing with isn't on that list, still come to AER. We couldn't possibly think of all the things that could happen to a soldier. But let me give you the most common. Mm -hmm. Most common things that soldiers come to us for is POV repair, very common. Rent and deposit on rent. You move to the installation. I've said this earlier. Your pay hasn't kicked in maybe yet. Your BHA, what have you. You need to go out and rent an apartment or a house. You got to put you got to put a month's down. You got to put a deposit. You got to open up utilities. All very common kinds of things. Um, we help with all kinds of medical kinds of things. Dental care for dependents. Co-pay for dry care. Cranial helmets for children born when their cranium isn't formed correctly. If it's medical, TRICARE will cover it. If it's not, if it's cosmetic, which it frequently is, you're going to pay out of your pocket thousands of dollars. That's a grant only. Other special medical needs. Emergency leave. All emergency leave. That's, you know, a, a serious illness or a death in your immediate family, home, mother, father, uh, brother, sister, or step situation. That starts off as a 50% loan and a 50% grant and could become a 100% grant depending on your individual situations. Every year, we do about 50 million across the Army in loans, 
zero interest, right? Check static line, zero interest, or a grant. We usually do about 10 to $15 million in grant. Grant, you don't have to pay back. There are special categories for grant. Basically, every soldier that comes into AER starts off as a loan and could move to a grant depending on their individual financial status. There are certain categories, and I already mentioned two of them, that already have a grant built in. Emergency leave, minimum 50% grant. Cranial helmet, 100% grant. And there's some other spouse ones I'll talk about that have some grants as well, as well as other single soldier programs. Mm -hmm. So um, some other things we do is uh, disaster assistance. You got to evacuate, stabilize in place, recover. We do that all the time. Minor home repairs and deductibles. Um, mm -hmm. if, if, if unfortunately you have a death in your family, a spouse or a child, and the, and the dollars haven't kicked in from uh, family group life insurance, we can do a bridge loan up to 15,000. Mm -hmm. We uh, PCS travel, as I mentioned, you move to a new installation, you don't have furniture. You need some appliances. We can help with that. It might be a loan. It might be a grant. Immigration passport fees. You go overseas. You meet the love of your life. You want to bring your new spouse back to the United States. That can be very expensive, five, six, ten thousand $10,000. Uh, we can help with that. And that's a grant. If you're overseas and you need to establish your family back here in CONUS, that'll be a grant. Mm -hmm. uh, spouse so, re-certification. Go ahead. Let me interject real quick keep... right here uh, because um, there, there's something I want to talk to you about that's 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 really happening that I know of one person. And then I also want you to uh, touch on educational grants. So when we talk about these grants, talk to us about who, who qualifies for them. We know the soldier does, uh, yeah. but like educational grants, who who uh, who who uh, actually qualifies for them. But this is a serious situation. I know of an individual who uh, who's a soldier who lost all of his stuff, his home in the last flood in uh, Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, TPU soldier. Yep. And FEMA is not giving him any assistance because they told him if you got four walls and a roof, hey, you got to figure it out. Do this individual qualify for a grant? I mean, being some circumstances you have to look into, right? Yeah, it, it depends. So let me first, I should have talked about eligibility up front. So mm -hmm. who is eligible for AER assistance? Active duty in their families, retired soldiers in their families. Okay. Active guard and reserve on Title 10 orders. AGRs are on Title 10 orders. Survivors, right? So okay. your spouse was killed and, and their children. And then reserve and National Guard, when they're brought on to active duty, on the 30th day of those Title 10 orders, they become fully eligible for AER. However, we waive that frequently. We waived almost all of that requirement of the 30-day thing for, for uh, Guard and Reserve for COVID-related issues. Okay. The other piece is for natural disasters, we frequently waive the uh, Title 10 requirement, the 30-day thing. So I'll just give you one example. A couple of years back, Hurricane, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, yes. most reserve and National Guard down there. We did over $5 million in grants for reserve and National Guard soldiers that were not called to active duty. Mm -hmm. So on this particular case, what I want this soldier to do 
is contact their nearest AE office. They go to our website. You type in your zip code. It'll show you the nearest AER office. And you can go online with them. And you can begin to work whether in or call them. And you can work there in Louisiana. So probably Fort Polk. I don't know exactly, depending on where they are. Uh, could work the case. I'm not saying that, that, that that's going to, the soldier's going to get dollars, but could. And, and I know we did a lot of the flood recovery down in the Louisiana area recently. So it could be. And there's no harm in asking. The other piece, though, important to remember is this is a needs-based program. So, yes, we do look at the budget. And we look at, you know, based on what, what you're – now, you don't have to be destitute. You don't have to have spent all your funds before you can come to AER. We don't expect you to cash in, you know, your retirement funds and your savings bonds to come to AER. We'll calculate that in. But what's your current cash situation, and can you cover your bills or not? Okay. You want to talk a bit more about uh, scholarships? Yes, definitely want to talk about scholarship, especially and, yeah. then, and not only as it relates to because uh, I want to I want to hit soldiers, too. But I definitely want to focus in on uh, spouses and dependents as far as scholarships. Yeah. We, we don't do educational scholarships for soldiers because the Army has a, already has an education. Okay, got it. Yeah, a whole separate program, as you know, I'm sure you used it for mm -hmm. soldiers. This is specifically focused on spouses. Again, a spouse, you know, employment, which is important because if the family's happy, the soldier's going to reenlist, right? And we mm -hmm. want strong army families and employment for the spouse is important. And of course, with the kids. So you go to our website, you just click on scholarships. Spouses can apply anytime during the year. And as long as it's at an accredited organization, it could be, it could be online. It doesn't have to be brick and mortar university. It could be culinary if they want to go to culinary school, as long as it's an accredited thing. You apply for a scholarship and we turn those pretty quickly. Now, the average scholarship for a spouse annually is usually about $2,500. Not a ton of money, but still helps. But the helps. average scholarship for a child college is usually about $3,500 to $4,000, depending. Mm -hmm. And so it, you have to submit what's called the FAFSA form, which lays out your family's income. So it shows what your ability is to cover you. You know, I did that with my kids, and I'm, if you you have college age kids yet, there, sir, next you're pretty young man, yes. so maybe. Yes, <laughs> okay. I mean. Oh, yeah. It's expensive. So that's how it works. The 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 college bound children, and they can apply each year that they're in school. They apply in January. Start applying in January. We kind of close it off in April, and we announce in July for that fall semester, and that's kind of the timing of it. And it's a relatively simple application. Doesn't require a lot. Does require our application in the FAFSA form. Um, so that's kind of how that works. And like I said, we're doing this year. We did fourteen million. Uh, actually, 20, 20, 20, We did fourteen million. Uh, we'll probably do another twelve million uh, this year. Yeah. So, so, so that's that's great news to know that even soldiers that are watching, because uh, you made something, and it's going to lead me into our. People First initiative that was one of our talking points is how you all yep. interact and, and supporting the people's first mission. But that's good information for individuals to know, because like you said, if the soldier's happy, if the home is happy, then the soldier's happy, then more yep. likely they're going to reenlist. And it goes back to building that bond and getting people first. So how is AER tying into the people's first initiative for the chief of staff of the Army? Yeah, it is foundational. And 
again, I, you know, and I kind of started off saying that asking for help is a sign of strength. Now, I will tell you this. AER is a little bit like giving a person a fish, right? We're giving you a fish. We're giving you dollars. How do you teach somebody to fish? So sitting right next to AEROs are financial counselors. Now, we, there's no requirement. You don't have to get financial counseling to get an AER loan or grant or scholarship. In many cases, we encourage it. And in many cases, soldiers could use it. Hey, I'm 65 years old. Uh, not too long ago, my wife and I bought what we think maybe is our last house. We don't know, but, you know, who knows? We, you know, we, like I said, we moved 28 times. Who knows? We could move again. But we went to a financial counselor and we kind of laid out our income and our output, right? And let me tell you, that is a very enlightening event. When you sit down with a soldier, you kind of say, where's your money going every month? They go, I had no idea I was spending that much at Starbucks. I had no idea my cell phone was costing that much. I had no idea I was spending that much money going out to eat every night when I could have gone to the commissary. So going through a budget is a very powerful event. It really begins to put in order. It's just like pre-combat checks, right? That we all do in the army. Before you cross the LD, before you go into harm's way, let's do a pre-combat check. Before you spend your money, let's do a pre-combat check. Let's think about where your money is incoming and where it's outgoing. And so the, the financial counselors, which is a whole program in the Army, it's part of income, but we're, we're, we're linked at the hip, is really about teaching a soldier to fish. So we give them a fish, and then hopefully they learn how to fish. Now, the good news is, about 85% of the soldiers that come to AER come one time in their career. Now, there is no limit. You could Theoretically, you could come to AER every month. I mean, that's not what we're about. We're not about supplementing your income. We're not about a crutch. And we, we want to make sure that we're building resiliency, people first, in the Army. We don't want to build a dependency. We want to build resiliency. Uh, combat readiness. AER is about combat readiness. So let me just take a minute before you ask my next question. What does that mean? So if a soldier is distracted by something in their life, and in this case, it's finances, but it could be something else. It could be relational. They could have flunked the PT test. They could have flunked, you know, um, on the firing range, whatever it happens to be. They're distracted. With finances, it's and if you're married, it's particularly difficult. You're definitely distracted. So if a soldier's distracted by finances, they're probably not focused on their MOS training, probably not focused on the unit mission. And if we send them into combat, they are potentially a danger to themselves and their buddies on their right and left. What's the most powerful tool against an IED on, on a convoy? <clears throat> what did we learn in Iraq and Afghanistan? Uh, what was that? The uh, the yeah, well, situation awareness. I was going to say, the yeah, it's these eyeballs in your brain looking on the road. Hey, that tire wasn't there yesterday. Why is that tire sitting there? That doesn't make sense to me. Maybe we got an issue here. And so, if you're distracted because you're thinking, my golly, you know, is the rent getting paid? Is the utilities, did they shut off the water, the electricity? Can my spouse go to the commissary? Can my kids, you know, childcare be paid for? By the way. We have a child care program. I'll talk a little bit about that. Whoa. So combat readiness. We're trying to minimize 
that distraction so a soldier can focus on their mission, go into combat, close with and destroy the enemy and come home safely. That is success. And so AR plays a part in that. Look, we're, we're not the biggest part of that by any means. It's the soldier's training, it's leadership, it's equipment, it's all those other things. But we are part of that solution set. Mm -hmm. So child care, what initiative do you all have with child care? Because I know now that's, that's, one of the most, that's one of the most common things uh, with parents, especially when they go to a new installation or they're at an installation, is child care. So what, what initiatives are out there that AER provide for child care? Yeah, so right now, uh, there's two programs. We've had a program around for a couple years, which is an enhancement to the what's called uh, the Army Fee Assistance Program. Mm -hmm. And that is if you're in a high cost area, like a Fort Lewis, a Washington, D.C., there's Hawaii. certain other, What's that? Hawaii. Hawaii is a good example. <laughs> high cost areas, the Army has a fee assistance program that provides dollars to families to cover childcare in those areas. We in AER will provide up to $500 for the first three months after arriving at your new installation mm -hmm. to help you bridge that, restructure your, your uh, budget and figure out how you're going to pay. Because we're not going to provide a, a check every month for childcare because you have to figure out, okay, this is a new bill. What do I have to cut? What do I have to tighten my belt? But we're going to help you to shock absorber. During COVID right now, we have a program in place for childcare. If you're impacted by COVID for your childcare, either your childcare facility is closed, you have to go somewhere else, costs a lot more. Uh, the childcare facility on your installation is closed, you can't go there. You need to do homeschooling. I'm sorry, school, we'll talk about homeschooling in a minute. You have to do home in place care. All of that is now available and we'll keep it in place as long as we need to for COVID. But if you're impacted by COVID for childcare, come to AER. Mm -hmm. Could be a loan, a grant, a combination, or a hundred percent grant, depending on individual circumstances. By the so, way, uh -huh. tell me one other thing. So we have a homeschooling uh, program where we will assist with resources. Again, COVID impact. If you're, if you're having to do homeschooling, buy a computer, Wi-Fi other kinds of capabilities to do homeschooling. Now, most people have figured that out because we've been dealing with this COVID thing now for almost two years, but that's still available there for soldiers and their families to come in and get that assistance. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a couple of questions. So, 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 you know, so it is, it is what it is. So when, when certain people know the profession SGL, you know, they don't, they don't post their question in the comments. They, they feel the need to text me while I'm on the camera. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna divulge this individual's name, but I normally don't do this, but based on the different locations, like at a Fort Bragg or a Fort Hood or a Fort Pope, do, does those different does those different installation AER offices uh have more funds than other offices or do they all correlate to the same the same pot of money? Yeah, great question. All comes out of the same pot of money. Uh -huh. And AERO can approve a loan or a grant or a combination up to $3,000. The garrison commander and sergeant major can mm -hmm. approve up to $4,000. And above $4,000 comes back to AER headquarters. We do that to try to get consistency across the Army. So we don't have one installation. Look, AER does not have a financial problem. Mm -hmm. 
Soldiers have donated since 1942. And we took that money over time and we did invest it and we get a return on that investment in the market. I could take three days to kind of describe to you how that all works, but we are not hurting financially. Now, we still need soldiers to donate because if they don't, then eventually we will be hurting, you know, in, in a number of years. So I can talk about the campaign and donations. Donations does not keep me up at night. Soldiers generally do the right thing. I do have a concern that I would like to talk about at some point here. But you know, the soldiers should never worry about the fact that AER doesn't have the money. We have the money because you and your brothers and sisters for 79 years have donated to AER. The other piece is there's no maximum amount. Theoretically, a soldier could get a $50,000 loan from AER. It doesn't happen. The most common thing we do is a 15-month loan for $1,500, paid back by allotment from an active duty soldier, $100 a month for 15 months. The other thing is we're totally negotiable. If you need 24 months to pay it back, no problem. If you want to pay it earlier, no problem. We work that with the soldier to whatever makes sense. We don't want to, even though it's zero interest, by giving you a loan, we don't want to make your situation worse. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about direct access. So that's rumor yeah. control out there. Can can I, And I want to explain this to leaders and even if soldiers are watching, but definitely for leaders so they can go back and educate their soldiers. So yeah. can PV2 Hicks walk into AER without talking to my leadership and get an AER loan? Yes. And now let me give you the depending, right? First mm -hmm. thing I tell soldiers, and I've told soldiers, and the same thing as my dad told me, the first place a soldier could go when they've got a problem is their chain of command. That's mm -hmm. what the chain of command exists. That's why they're there. Your squad leader, your platoon sergeant, your platoon leader, your first sergeant, your company command, all the way up the line. That's why they're there. Now, mm -hmm. look, I spent 35 years in the Army. I understand sometimes that there's trust issues. I understand sometimes people don't want to bring their issues forward because they saw somebody get burnt. I'm a realist. I know these kind of things happen. So mm -hmm. yes, we have a direct access program. But before I talk about direct access, let me talk about the program that I think is most important. Okay. And that's called the Quick Assist Program. Mm -hmm. This program is any company commander or first sergeant in the Army can approve a loan up to $2,000 off their signature. Why is that so important? Because I already told you that the most common thing we do is about $1,500. So company commanders and first sergeants could address the vast majority of the need. So I always encourage soldiers to go to your chain of command first. Okay, but let's say you don't for whatever reason, and there's a thousand reasons why, and I get it. Right, right. So there's a thing called direct access. It's been around now about eight years, and this is what it says. Well, before I describe it, let me tell you why we did it. Two reasons. One was this issue of stigma of asking for help. We had a lot of survey data that indicated soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, all services sometimes are reluctant to go to their chain of command with an issue for a million different reasons, as I said. So there's a stigma of asking for help. We get that. The second reason was is the significant use of what we call predatory lending. You know what they are. They are payday loans, yep. tax return loans, title loans, pawn shops. You know what those are, right? Yep. And rent to own. 
they are allowed to exist legally. Soldiers are protected, soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines are, are protected by the Military Lending Act. But let me tell you what the Military Lending Act says. Mm -hmm. You go into a, into a payday lender and you identify yourself as a military person, the most they can charge you for interest rate is 36% APR. That's 36%. High. Now that's APR, okay? Most, most credit cards are somewhere between 25 and 35% depending on the credit card you have. It's annual percentage rate. So the most common thing that soldiers do is they go into, they go off post, they go to Billy Bob's Quick Cash, they borrow $300 for 14 days, get them to the next payday. They don't read the fine print. And at the end of that, they if they pay it off on the 14th day, they'll probably owe about $30 in interest. Ah, I can do that, no big deal, you know, I'll do it. The problem is if they don't pay it off on the 14th day, their protections under the Military Lending Act diminish. And we have all the survey data that indicates that when soldiers don't pay off their payday loan in 14 days, they end up paying 300 to 400%. So the $300 they borrow, they end up paying 900 to $1,200. Mm -hmm. And what do they do? They go down the street to to, you know, Bubba's place to borrow from him to go pay Billy Bob and a death spiral. So for those two reasons, and let me ask you this, what percent of the E-4s and below in our army today do you think have done that at least once? 50%. I was going to say 60%. Okay. It's somewhere between 50 and 60%. It's a high percentage. And so we wanted soldiers to come to AAR because what's the interest rate we charge? Zero. Yeah. I mean, come on. So direct access. There's mm -hmm. what this says is any soldier of any rank can come to AER. By the way, a general could come to AER. A sergeant major can come to AER. Anybody in between can come to AER. Now, that's, you know, it tends to be junior NCOs that come to AER, believe it or not. It's e yeah. e and sixes. And so let me describe that real quick before I get into direct access. Why is it E5s and E6s? It's not because they're not taking care of business any more than anybody else is. It's because think about, think about you're an E6, E5 and E6. Most are married. Many have children. They're beginning to accumulate debt, buying, renting, cars, CDs, you know, child care, on and on and on. And the pay is such that if you're not careful, you're tipped. Right. You mm -hmm. you live beyond your means. Why is it that a professional sports person who makes 10 million dollars a year for 10 years is broke at the end of 10 years? We've all read the stories. It always mm -hmm. they live beyond their means. The problem is they're buying jets and islands and soldiers are buying cars. Maybe they can't afford. It's mm -hmm. all the same. It's just a matter of different zeros. So anyway, back to direct access. Any soldier of any rank can come to AER without chain of command involvement. However, there's four safeguards. Number one, when you're in basic entry training, you can't do direct access. You're too new in the Army. By the way, the Sergeant Major of the Army helped us write the, write the policy. Mm -hmm. You can still get AER. You just got to go to your training company commander and first sergeant. You barely know how to lace your boots. I would say shine them, but we don't shine boots anymore. Number two, in your first 12 months in the Army, 
So you finish basic AIT, you get your first duty station, you have 10 months in the Army. You can't use direct access. You still get AER, you just got to go to your company commander and first sergeant. You barely know where the defect is. Plus, we want the leader in the lead to bond. Okay? Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, that's why the quick assist program is so important. The third safeguard is you can only use direct access twice in a 12-month moving period. If you're coming to AER three times in 12 months, chain of command's got to be involved. Now, it all could be explainable. You could have had an emergency leave. You could have had a car breakdown. You could have had a house fire. All those things were beyond your control. But nevertheless, third time, AERO is going to call the chain of command or tell the soldier, go see your chain of command. We're still going to work with you, but we got to have the chain of command wrap their arms around you. The fourth safeguard is most important. Fourth safeguard is when you sit down with the AERO as a young soldier or an old soldier like me, and the AERO looks at your finances, looks at your spending habits, looks what's going on, and determines you to be high risk for financial behavior, Mm -hmm. we're going to get the chain of command involved in. What do they kind of look at? They look at a cash to debt ratio. Are you highly have high debt, but your income's not covering that debt and you're getting further and further behind. Are you bouncing checks? Are you declaring banks bankruptcy? Are you defaulting on loans? Those are all indicators of bad financial behavior. Not a bad person. You just having tough times. We're going to, we're going to get the chain of command involved and we're going to get the uh, financial counselors involved. By the way, company commanders and first sergeants can require a soldier to get financial counseling. We don't at AER because we don't want to put anything in the way of a soldier coming to us. So I would prefer that soldiers use the quick assist program, go to their command team, but not in all cases does that work. And so when I meet with leaders and they hear the, the, the kind of story about direct access and some of them go, yeah, but, you know, soldiers, I, I want to know what's going on with them. I agree with you. You, you should know what's going on. With them. So I ask, I ask leaders two questions. And I'm usually talking to company commanders and first sergeants. I ask them two questions about direct access. I say, number one, even though they don't come to you, wouldn't you rather them come to AER than Billy Bob? They got no safeguards. I get a hundred percent answer. Yes. Here's the second question. It is the essence of leadership. If private Mason or private Hicks don't come to you, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you. Are you establishing an environment of trust and confidence where soldiers feel comfortable bringing anything to you? Mm -hmm. Tough question. It's like raising kids. You said you have kids, right? Mm -hmm. My wife and I told our kids, look, anything that happens in your life, bring it to us. We will love you unconditionally. We might punish you. We might get mad. We might even scream a little bit, but we're going to love you unconditionally. Same with soldiers. Leaders have to care about their soldiers unconditionally, regardless of what they do. They raised their right hand. They volunteered to be in this army. And so we got to put our arm around them. And they you got to establish that environment where no matter what happens, and I know people push back on it. I mean, the thing that drives me crazy is a soldier doesn't want to bring some issue to their platoon sergeant or their squad leader. But yet tonight they'll go to a party, do something that maybe they shouldn't have done. And what do they do? Well, they put it on Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or TikTok. Whatever the latest thing is. Like, what? The entire world knows you did that now. So mm-hmm. it is what it is, right? But mm-hmm. 
So I want so before so we we almost at the top of the hour. I got I got a, I got a couple of minutes for a couple more topics. So sure. you you guys are all, you are all donation, all 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 donated funded. No yeah. federal dollars come to uh, to no money from the army. No money from the army budget. So so how much so how much of those donations actually go to uh, to AER? Is it one hundred percent, eighty percent, ninety percent? Yeah. So when you donate to AER, 100% of it goes to AER. There's nobody in between. Okay. 90 cents of every dollar that's donated to AER goes right back to soldiers. That's one of the best of any nonprofit in the United States. Mm-hmm. 10 cents helps us do all the things we got to do. IT, mm-hmm. cybersecurity, run ER, do all the things. You just go research it. Nine, 10 cents. There's some organizations that are upside down. The other piece is for the active duty force, for every dollar that an active duty soldier donates, we give $3 back to the active duty force. How do we, how can we do that? How can we get $1 and give $3 back? It's because retired soldiers donate at a higher rate than they ask for money because they're giving back because, you know, that's the right thing to do. And we also get money from American citizens and corporations because they just love the military. So that's mm-hmm. how we're able to do what we do. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the okay. thing that concerns me. We run, a, we run a campaign every year, one March to 15 May. It's called the Army's annual AER campaign. It's not the AER campaign. It's the Army's. It's run by the active duty Army out in the field and the AEROs and leaders in, engaged. That campaign is not, not about money. It really isn't for the active duty. It is on the retired side. I'm, 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 I'm putting pressure on the retired community to, to pay up, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, many of them make pretty good money. But for the re- active duty, I don't care how much a soldier gives, an active duty soldier. I just care that they do it. So the campaign is about information, and it's about 100% informed. It used to be contacted. And contacted is, hey, Hicks, you know about AER? Yep. You want to donate? Nope. Okay, I've contacted Hicks. What's the value of that? There is no value. But if I talk to Sergeant Hicks or Corporal Hicks about the things we've been talking about, you're now informed. You can make a decision. You, you If you hit a tough financial spot, you go, ah, AER. So number one, the campaign every year is about information. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's about giving every soldier the opportunity to donate. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't put pressure on them. You can't twist arms. You can't do some of the things we used to do in the old days, you know, give everybody Friday off or let them not do PT. That that's you can't do that. But you can talk to soldiers about it and give them the opportunity to donate, because when they do that, when a soldier reaches in their back pocket, whether it's a dollar or five dollars or five bucks a month or whatever they are comfortable with, they've made a commitment to the team. What do soldiers fight for? They fight for each other. What makes a soldier jump on a hand grenade to save their brothers and sisters? I mean, it has happened in our last 20 yeah. years. These aren't just stories from Vietnam, Korea, and World War II. We have had American soldiers jump on a grenade to protect their buddies. That bond is incalculable. It's invaluable. And it's, 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 an, it's really the values, the ethos, and the creed of our, of our profession of arms. Leave no comrade behind on the battlefield. Leave no comrade behind at home station equally. 
So that's what the campaign's about. Mm -hmm. Two questions before we get ready to uh, wrap things up. So first question is, is uh, you talked about information, getting the information out there. What can we as leaders that even if we know about AER, what can we as leaders, if you could look into the camera and make a plea to leaders to get this information out, what can we do to help your cause? Yeah, well, leaders got a lot of things on their plate. AER, you know, AER lives at the company level. So if I was talking to company commanders and first starts, I would say, mm -hmm. look, this is a tool in your toolbox. You got a lot of challenges out there that you have to deal with every day. But this is one tool that you could apply. If I was talking to battalion commanders and sergeant majors and brigade, I'd say, look, you need to mentor these company commanders and first sergeants that AER is a tool. Just go to our website. Everything I've talked about today is on our website. Now, we're flooding the market like everybody else, the, the social media world. I mean, we're on every platform you can imagine. But the problem, of course, is, is there's just so much noise that it's hard to get your message through, right? right because right, you're being bombarded. Right. We have a whole program of, you know, Facebook Lives and, you know, like I said, Twitter and whatever the other stuff that's going on out there. I got a bunch of smart people that are working that for me. Um, but so, you know, retweet stuff. We do a message of the, of the week. Um, go down to your AER office. If you're a commander or a command sergeant major or a leader, go down to the ACS office, walk in there and say, look, tell me a little bit about what you guys do and what are the tools that I can do to make my unit more combat ready? You know, take a half hour to go do that. That would be so powerful and you would learn so i mean as i try i'd spend well pre-covid i was spending about two weeks every month on the road somewhere obviously since then a lot less but you know i go out and soldiers go i had no idea about aer i know i get it so i mean there's a million things that are out there right and and you you get overwhelmed you get fire hosed with information so i just encourage leaders to this is a tool in the toolbox that can make a world of difference and what i say is that young specialist, that young corporal that you put your arm around and take care of could grow up to be the sergeant major of the army. Yes. Somebody's going to be the sergeant major of the army in 25 years. Might be that young corporal you put your arm around, take them down to AER and say, look, you know, we all make mistakes. We all make bad decisions. Life happens to us. It throws us some curves. Um, put your arm around them, take them down to AER, find out what's going on down there. And uh, we'll be a better army for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and last question. So uh, we talked a lot about uh, you guys do a lot of financial assistance, financial. Uh, well, and then but even in the ACS building where where these AEROs are. Uh, so one thing I was thinking about is that I'm going to put together and, I, and I, I'm sure some of the teammates are looking. Uh, so remind me this on Monday in our next team meeting uh, that we need to get ready to put a panel together of some financial experts from these different installations to come on and give us a presentation about how to manage finances. Yeah, I and, think that's um, a great idea. Yeah, we've because, we got more information there than you could ever stand. USAA gave us all of their financial readiness information. They took all their USA logos off of it. So yeah, get get three or four financial readiness program managers from around the army and they will give you a wealth of information to pass on to your listeners and your viewers. Um, yeah. But some of it's common sense. Just sit down and write down your income and then write down your where you're spending your money. I'll leave you with a thought. Mm -hmm. E5, 
family of four, if they go out to eat at a medium restaurant, let's just say an Outback, more than 10 times in a month, they could have taken that same amount of money. They could have gone to the commissary and they could have bought 30 days worth of food for three meals a day. Look, soldiers should be able to go to Outback and have a meal and do all that kind of stuff. But it's about choices. It's about needs and wants. Yeah. And when you balancing, you know, and so when you sit down and you do that math, you go, wow, I, you know, it's the old story of go to Starbucks every day, spend five bucks before you know it adds up to some money. Right. That's, you know, what is that? Twenty five bucks a month, five, five, twenty-five a week times four. That's one hundred dollars. You know, again, self, all those kinds of things. So I encourage soldiers to sit down and kind of take a take take stock of where you are, just like pre-combat checks. That'd be a great idea, Sergeant Hicks, for you to bring on a financial readiness program panel. So I'm I'm there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this plug out there. And if you're in these locations, I need you to reach into the inbox and I'm gonna use you all to help me. So I'm near Fort Polk, I'm near Fort Hood, I'm not near Fort Bliss, but Fort Bliss is in Texas, San Antonio. I mean, even if you know somebody from Bragg, JBLM, JBLE, if you know of a financial readiness counselor out there. Definitely have them reach into the inbox. We definitely need to put this panel together. And uh, I, my team, know I don't like doing special editions other than on Wednesday. But I believe that I believe that that is something that is important. And I'm even willing to do a special edition show uh, to have them come on because, like you said, um, most of it is common sense. But sometimes every every now and then somebody needs that little push just to put it out there. Some people are visual learners and they can't do it on their own. Let's be honest, nobody's perfect. And but at the end of the day, I think the goal would be to help those individuals kind of see how to finance. And there may be some people in that don't know how to budget. Maybe it was because of their culture, where they were brought up and how they were raised. We just never know. Uh, but definitely we're gonna put that. I, I didn't know when I was a young lieutenant. I didn't know, and I made some really bad mistakes. <laughs> I, I didn't know as a young specialist. I was just out there. I, ain't, I was just out there wilding, but we ain't going to talk about that on camera. Uh, that's <laughs> a part of the TPS jail. Long, 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 long time ago. But, sir, we're at the top of the hour. So, at this time, sir, listen, I want to give you the opportunity uh, to give any shout-outs, any last-minute uh, uh, tidbits, or, like, if you're a part of a book club or anything, or any last little mentorship tidbits you want to leave to myself and the viewers, the mic is yours, sir. Yeah. So first, let me let me thank my AER global team, the AER headquarters, just incredible selfless service people, just magnificent. It's as good a team as I've ever been on. And I've been on some magnificent teams in combat and, you know, in, in the 82nd and places like that. They're just amazing every day. I feel so blessed to be with them. Then we got the AEROs in the field. I mean, every day they're in there in the trenches working with soldiers they're human beings. They make mistakes too, but my golly, they're just in there trying to do the right thing. So go see them. You know, I think what I'd leave you with is I'm so encouraged. I mean, there's a lot of tough stuff going on in the world. I mean, COVID has been just a kick in the gut and has affected everybody in the entire universe. This thing that just happened in Afghanistan, Afghanistan. we're all contemplating and thinking about it. And, you know, most of us have been there at some point in time and, but let me tell you, the soldiers in our army today are the same soldiers that were at Valley Forge, that were fought in the Civil War, that were there, you know, in World War I as doughboys, 
that that hit the beaches of Normandy, that slogged through, you know, the frozen tundra of Korea and in Vietnam and so on. It's incredible uh, what they do. And what's most amazing about it is 90, probably 90% at this point of the soldiers in our army today joined since 9-11, mm -hmm. raised their right, right hand as a volunteer, volunteer. No told them to go in, and knowing full well they may have to go into combat and give their last full measure, and yet they do it. I mean, it just, it, it is amazing what American citizens and those that choose to join the military of all the services, it just speaks volumes of them as an individual. It speaks volumes of our nation. Um, you know, we're still striving for that perfect union. We've got a long way to go. We've got lots of issues that, that are str we're struggling with. But I am encouraged, particularly the best part about this job is going out in the field and talking to soldiers because, you know, they're just unbelievable. They're just great. Yeah. They just do anything for you. You know, they have tough days too. And, and uh, but, you know, they just, I, I'm absolutely every day just so amazed. And uh, so I, my hat's off to them. Uh, if I could strap on a parachute again, I'd do it. I don't know if sure my back could handle it, but I'd give mm -hmm. it a shot. Um, I feel like I'm still kind of part of the army, but it, it is a great profession. And here's another thing. No matter what, it's going to go by pretty fast. You yeah. know, it's like Ferris Bueller and, you know, in uh, Ferris Bueller's day off, you better slow down every so often, smell the roses. Not every day is magnificent, but they're pretty damn good being a, being a soldier in the United States Army, Army you know why? You know why? Uh, before I let you go uh, and give my closing remarks, you know why I'm I'm encouraged and I'm hopeful because I realized that at a, at a time in our army, just not even in our society, but at a time in our army, uh, you weren't able to see something like this, uh, two different ethnicities to be able to sit down and yeah. have a conversation about helping others, regardless of their race, gender, their genital orientation, or whatever that two individuals can sit down and have a professional dialogue that's benefiting others, not just the two that's on camera. Yeah. So some of the guests that I, some of the guests, and I don't like to bring it about color, but I definitely try to make it as diverse as possible. But some of the guests that I interview and I sit and talk, I talk to them, I said that this gives me hope. And it gives that young soldier hope to say, hey, that if he could do it or if she could do it, then why can't I do it? And like you said, with everything that's going on in the army and, and even in society and even in the world, that this platform brings us together, regardless of our color, regardless of where we're from, our gender, it don't matter. We're able to come together and have professional dialogue. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, I, I've said it since I was you know, a young soldier, and that is that the power and the strength of our army is the rich fabric of its diversity. You know, our on our flag, the American flag in the seal, not the American flag, but the seal is e pluribus unum out of mm -hmm. many, one army strong. I mean, it's it is what you know, we do all come from different places and we all do have different ways of looking at things. You know, if we all followed the golden rule, mm -hmm. we would be so much better, which is treat others as you'd want to be treated. Yep. We and the essence of leadership in my mind, again, in my simple way of looking at things, there's two things. One is trust. Mm -hmm. you got to trust each other and that build over time. And when you break trust, it's really hard to get it back. 
it's true in a leadership role and it's true in a marriage for sure. The second thing is empathy. It's empathy, not sympathy, empathy. I got to put myself in your shoes. You got to put yourself in my shoes and walk around in them and know what it feels like. That's empathy. And all leaders have to have that. They got to put themselves. You know, whenever I did UCMJ, I would always imagine to myself, what if I was on the other side of that desk? How would I want to be treated? Right? Yeah. And, you know, UCMJ, by the way, this is unrelated to AER, is a behavior changing, you know, program. Yeah, it's not punishment. That's court martial something else. You commit a crime, you commit a crime. But if you just screw up, and by God, we all screw up, you're trying to change behavior. And so by doing that, you've got to have empathy for that person. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think you're right. And this this kind of dialogue, this kind of relationship of people from all diverse backgrounds builds empathy. I now know what it's a little bit what it's like to walk in your shoes. I haven't walked in your shoes, but I know a little bit about what it's like to walk in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on. I know we talked about Army Emergency Relief Funds. Uh, I mean, uh, Army Emergency. But do, do we do our sister brothers and branches? Yeah, have? I, I apologize. I totally missed. Yeah, that. we can't forget about that. Yeah, absolutely. All the services, Navy, Marine Relief, Air Force Relief, Coast Guard Relief. And by the way, any military member can go into any other relief agency. You, you're supposed to go to the nearest one within 50 miles, but if that's mm-hmm. not a hard and fast rule, if something happens, you got to go go there. The other thing is you can call the American Red Cross 24-7. Mm-hmm. The phone number is right at the top of our website. It's a one eight seven seven number. It escapes me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you call American Red Cross 24-7, and they'll work the case. They'll contact one of our sergeant majors that's always on duty, and we'll, we wire the money through um, – uh, Western Union. So yeah, we've got the globe covered. No matter what service you are, no matter where you are in the world. I had to make sure I, I remember that because we do have some of our other systems. Yeah, right absolutely. Uh, and we're all very tight. We all work together. Uh, but you know, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad. I, thanks for bringing that up. Great, great. Well, listen, sir. Once again, uh, on behalf of my advisors, myself, and my team. I appreciate you taking the opportunity. I've learned a lot of things tonight. I'm sure our leaders and uh, people that were watching and that will watch this from Germany and all the other places overseas in a couple hours, I'm pretty sure they're going to take a lot of tidbits away from this. Uh, Like I said, I tell every guest, there's going to be plenty of things you could have been doing, uh, you know, but taking the opportunity to come on prime time and be on NCOP Live. Prime time, sir. So I definitely appreciate it. I appreciate it as well. Thanks for giving me the opportunity and, and you're doing God's work. So airborne. Yeah. Great. Great. Hey, so this is November, right? You're 88 November. 88 November. That's the one I'm not going to say the best because I don't want to start no wars, but 88 (laughs) November is one of the best kept secrets in the military. So if you're thinking about reclassing out there. I work with plenty 88 Novembers. Yeah. That's one of the best. And you know what? I, I'll, I'll say this and then I'll get ready to, I'll get ready to t- uh, turn it off. Now, I've been here in Beaumont, but to my defense, I've been gone over half the time I've been here since I've, since I've uh, uh, been uh, PCS to Beaumont. And I have yet to go out to the port to see that SDDC unit out there. I've so been there. If, you're, if you're watching Command Sergeant Major Sherry and all of y'all, listen, I'm telling y'all, 
the TPSGL is going to get out to the port. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to give no dates, but one of these days, I'm just going to pull up at the port. You'll know it's me because on my license plate, it says TPSGL7. So when you see me pull up, just know I am on ground. But I have not been out there yet, and I definitely need to get over there yeah, uh, to the port and go see my buddies. Ford Hood and First Cab and all those guys deploying in and out of Beaumont all the time. That's an incredible yeah. operation. Stay at, stay at Fort Hood all the time. Hey, matter of fact, we got to shout out Command Sergeant Major Shade Monday. Uh, he was the third. We talked about that that uh, that um yeah, that's yeah. going on in, in September. Well, he was just the regiment Sergeant Major at 3rd CR, but now he's now the first Cavs Sergeant Major, Pegasus hey. 9, Command Sergeant Major Shade Monday. Pegasus uh, he's had his change of responsibility. So, yeah, definitely got to give him a shout out. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's been another great edition of NCOPD Live. Listen, y'all know the motto, if you see something wrong and you fail to do something about it, then you have just created a new standard. And at the end of the day, their issue is never with you, but their issue is always with the standard. This has been yours truly, Staff Sergeant Hicks, hashtag the professional SGL, along with my special guest, Lieutenant General Retired Ray, Ma uh, Ray Mason, the director of AER. We'll be seeing you all next week. Everybody, y'all have a good night. Good night, everybody. Stay safe. On behalf of my advisors, the NCOPD Live team, we would like to thank tonight's special guests and for all of you that have tuned in to tonight's show. Until next week, we'll be seeing you soon. Have a great evening. Good night.